The Grendel's Shadow. The sci-fi debut from Andrew Main is now available on ebook in Amazon's Kindle store. When an unknown animal starts killing off settlers on a backwater planet run on coal and steam power, there's only one person who can help stop the slaughter, T.R. Westwood, a distinguished professor of biology and the galaxy's greatest hunter. Rocks, spears, shotguns, or cannons, he'll use whatever's allowed to get the job done. It's a fast-paced, steampunk, horror, sci-fi, western adventure. Written by Andrew Main is available right now on ebook in Amazon's Kindle store. Also available on the Kindle app on your iPhone or iPad. Then go pick up Andrew Main's The Grendel's Shadow for only 99 cents. Bandwidth for the Weird Things Podcast provided by Wired Tree. For sites of any size and world-class customer service, head on over to wiredtree.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Weird Things Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Andrew Main. I'm joined by Mr. Justin Robert Young. Hi! Mr. Brian. It's definitely, definitely, definitely going to be weird tonight because I am definitely under the influence of Benadryl because allergies are kicking my butt. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's... that's uh, some crazy. Uh, so when I start bringing in rainbows and unicorns use. to every single scenario, you'll know why. Exactly. Yeah, As opposed awesome. to when Andrew brings in rainbows and unicorns <laughs> to every scenario, in that case, we just know he's awake. Uh, I, let's start off unicorn. You know, I'm thinking more and more. If I were to clone an animal or create something through genetic engineering, I'm going to make a unicorn. Now, you see, that seems like that would be a tough one to do because, as far as we know, one has never existed, and certainly there are no, outside of, I guess, a rhinoceros or whatever, there's certainly no animal with a horn protruding from its brow. That's that's a difficulty of 12 right off the top. I say I say ah, do the, the child's wo- play. Do the woolly mammoth thing where it's like, you know, we, we've, we've got wow. woolly mammoth DNA, we got elephants that are sort of descended or cousins to the woolly mammoth, then you can, you know, breed, do like a donkey woolly mammoth type thing. All right. First, at that point, we're just kicking it old school. First off, the Japanese are working on that. Of course, we know that the day after they announce that they've got a woolly mammoth, there's going to be a new menu item in like Tokyo <laughs> restaurants. <laughs> so, I here's my thinking on the unicorn. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you how I'm going to do it because you asked. Now, you you know, Brian, you know this probably. You know about Pliny the Elder actually described how to make a unicorn. No, in one of his writings. Oh yes, yes. We've we've you know, as people know, as as what's derisively called is the go to corn, which has been a you know, a sideshow attraction has appeared in the circuses and stuff. And I recently had somebody who said, I've acquired a unicorn and I'm looking for a buyer. Honest truth, somebody told this to me. I'm like, Well, is it you know one of those goat ones? He's like, Yes. I'm like, Well, a little bit harder of a sell, but you know, I'm sure it's pretty neat. So Pliny the Elder described this. <laughs> And what it what what they would do is you take a, a a baby goat that has like you know you know horns that come out of its head, and you actually reach inside, you cut out one of the horns, the little buds. You can feel the buds underneath apparently the scalp, and they haven't attached it. So you you slice one out, or you bring them. Actually, I think you bring them both to the center 
of the forehead. Holy cow. And as they start to protrude, you start to twine them and wrap them around so they grow forward. So if you look, type online like goat and unicorn, you'll see these things with these thick rhino-like tusk type things, tusk, rhino-like horns coming out of their heads. Can I, can I real quick just go back to the part in which you're describing uh, uh, such a regular part of your life where you're reviewing somebody's listing for selling a unicorn and it's so just, you know, oh, well, that you're skeptical of it? Oh, no, it wasn't. It was a, a, uh, an acquaintance of mine who's involved in the business of procuring things like double-headed snakes and other kind of strange <laughs> creatures. He heard that I knew, had thought that I had an in at some place that he wanted to try to sell this thing to and uh, but any of it. This is awesome, by the um, way. I am looking at the photos right now of goat unicorns, and I mean they—that's—they look exactly like you would imagine, unicorn goats. Yeah, you could, you could kind of pass them off as like little pony unicorns, but it, but people would be upset. Um, you know, I, I told one friend about that, and she got very upset because like a goat corn. So here's my way to do it without having to do go get get up make people upset to not make young women upset at the promise of unicorn. What you do is you get a horse. We'll start with a horse, all right, of course. Then we look for something that's got a close proximity to that kind of type of horn. And there are some kind of like gazelles and stuff that have, and I, I, I don't know anything about, you know, hooved African animals, but there are some species that have horns that come out like other sides that look kind of like those spiral type horns. So we could find somewhere on the gene to find the information, the instructions for that. If we look, we could probably find something that, that controls the growth of that the skull plates and could probably figure out how to engineer that into an actual horse. Well, and also, I guess, I guess if you're manipulating a regular goat in order to create a one-horn scenario, I mean, my guess is, I guess all you really have to do is just give horses horns, like just get a horn splicing gene in there, and then you could do the same trick with a horse. You yeah, I would, but I think we could, we might actually be able to, we might be able to figure out, you know, by looking at the genome somewhere where, you know, uh, the, whatever controls the growth of the, the, the plates in the head or whatever, before they fuse, we might be able to find a location to do that and to put that, insert that into there. That'd be, that's if you wanted to have a, create a species. If you just wanted to create one, you could probably graft it in there using some pretty good techniques. But the end result is, I mean, think about it. I mean, a woolly man, this would be kind of cool, but you know, I've seen banthas, you know, Star Wars, and and that's kind of the same thing. Go I think, on, like a unicorn. Like, man, I mean, like, I mean, I want to walk into a bar, and, like, go up to like some girls and be like, "Hey, see these keys?" Like, yeah, they're to my unicorn. <laughs> now they're gonna forget the fact well, that you yeah. don't need keys to a unicorn. No, they're not gonna hear keys after that. They're gonna hear unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> but then you could be like, "See why I have this stainless steel whistle." <laughs> It's the summon my unicorn. <laughs> I like that even better. A unicorn whistle. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what. We could sell them right now. We could sell weird things branded unicorn whistles. We'll make a mint. I love that idea. <laughs> you know, I like the it, fact that you wouldn't be able to hear it. Yeah, no, it's even better. It's no, even what would be it's great like, oh, is actually you be- if you could hear it. They're just regular sports whistles. But you're like, no, but it's irresistible to unicorns. Do they ever love no, that No, no, but, but right. No, here's what's even better. Now, think, think, Brian, think of what Justin just said. Imagine we have like, it's like a dog whistle and you give it to people like, oh, but only the pure of heart can make it work. Well, that's yeah. what, that's what, like you're, there was a book. You're trying, no, you, you're trying to pick a girl up and you, you want to let her know that, you know, it's business time and you know that she's down for it. She's DTF. She can't hear that whistle. <laughs> 
there's a, a book called Unicorns I Have Known with high-resolution photography of what this guy swears are definitely, definitely unicorns and not horses with horns glued to their foreheads. And uh, he has a whole section in the back that says how to see a unicorn because normally they're invisible for non-believers. So right. first, you really have to believe in a unicorn. And then you go to a place where unicorns probably hang out. And since you believe in one, obviously you're going to see one. Yeah. Can I tell you how much of it? Uh, Greenwich, Greenwich Village, New York, West Hollywood. <laughs> yes. Yeah, wait, can, I can I tell you how much of an idiot I am? When you said these guys got actually high-resolution photos of, of what looked like unicorns, in my mind I'm thinking like, I guess you could CGI a whole unicorn, you know, and make it look pretty good. And they're like, you know, he pasted, yeah, he pasted horns onto horses. I'm like, Oh yeah, I guess you could do it that way too. <laughs> That's how corrupted we are by CGI. Nobody even thinks of practical yeah. effects anymore. <laughs> no, I know, I know. Well, just, yeah, yeah, I guess paste one on there. So I think you know, think about this. You know, your uh, how popular are you going to be at like your kid's school? You know, Josie, Josie gets to go tell her friends that Dad's got a unicorn in a show that like impales them every night. Right. I'm down for that. I'll, you know what? You I don't see why I even need, right. need to have a unicorn. I'll just tell my my three year old that I have a unicorn, and she'll go around and tell everyone. <laughs> well, but that's no breakthrough in science and cloning. That's just lying to your children. It's, it's a breakthrough in making my kids sound now. awesome for about ten minutes. <laughs> well, all right, can we can we try an experiment with Josie then? And, no. and that is, uh, <laughs> you're the one that brought up lying to her. <laughs> you're right. You're right. I, I, I would very much be curious to see if you said, Josie, if I had a unicorn in the garage, you know, maybe get Bonnie in there and have her like, you know, scratch against the wall or something. Like, oh, hold on, Josie. I got to go feed him some hay. I'll be right back. I have a question. I'll be right back to you. And again, it's a hypothetical, totally a hypothetical, Josie. <laughs> you walk into the garage and hear the scrap, the, the foot, you know, make like uh, get some coconut shells, put them on the ground and you hear whinnying and stuff. I'm like, oh, watch it with that. Then he walked back out of the garage. Like, so anyway, Josie, hypothetically. If I told you that I had a, oh, hold on a second, let me get some carrots, walk back in there, then walk back out. If I told you that I had a unicorn in this garage, what would your reaction be? You're talking and to me or Josie? to draw a picture. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I don't know. I'm just See, this is why, this is why, you know, the difference between you and Brian, Andrew, and why Brian is allowed to have kids by the federal government and you should be banned, is that Brian was thinking of just, uh, you know, chopping to Josie like, hey, uh, you know, maybe Pops is a unicorn. Just gonna say, you know, he's out. Yeah. He's out in the country. We we we, we keep him there. Yeah, but I never lied to the kid. I, I just posed these hypotheticals to the child, and it's more damaging. <laughs> and how does it become more damaging when you do it? I would just be curious to see if maybe she, you know, you are like you are like the like Kevin Spacey in Seven of whimsy. <laughs> So, I have, uh, speaking of children, I had an idea. You know, we, we had a, uh, a very, very impassioned discussion last time about space elevators and Mars and all of this stuff. And, and it's obviously, for everybody listening, just knows how, how, uh, how nerdy we are, how but how excited we are. How nerdy about we are. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And 
I had a thought. I had a, I had a crazy, crazy kind of thought. We just uh, Brian just tweeted out this letter from Elon Musk about SpaceX, which is pretty awesome. He lays out the cost, how inexpensive it is compared to other programs. It's it's exciting. I'm I'm I have a thing on weird things where we talk about their Mars mission or what their ideas for it may be, and reveal that some of the stuff in their video, what ideas they may be, you know, inheriting from NASA and stuff, and how they might see it, but. Forget about Mars. Forget about yeah. from Mars. I'm going to talk although, about this. Although, real quick, before we move on from that video, you, everybody needs to go to Weird Things and watch it just for the fact that this is not only a company that is cool for so many other reasons, they also took a moment in this uh, you know, huge announcement CGI video. To yeah, just explain two. this. Vid- the video shows their Dragon capsule, which is in production, landing on Mars. This is a capsule that's going to be tested within like 24 months will be capable of landing on Mars. And so they show the video. Go ahead. Yeah. And then they showed two CGI astronauts high-fiving. Like, <laughs> that was part of the video. That, that is they gave awesome. to this computer. This computer. Oh, that's that's the genius, though. That's what's going to sell it. You're not thinking about the journey. You're not thinking about the landing. You're thinking about the triumph of two bros <laughs> having a PBR on the freaking red planet. I think one was a woman, but maybe not. Um, so, for, but let's forget about Mars. Like I said, we're already yeah. making videos showing people high fiving each other, like like some sort of Korean news agency. Okay, it's a done <laughs> deal. Done deal. I'm going to talk space elevator, and I have, I have a bold, bold idea. Everybody, go on. All right. All right. It can start on this podcast. Everybody listening to the sound of our voice. Exactly. Could make this happen. It's going to have to be somebody else besides us because we're way too uh, disorganized to actually. And do this. stupid. Do you remember? Do you remember how we were able to pay for part of the Statue of Liberty? I think it was like the base or whatever. Cigarette taxes. Um, we had we had Chinese guys build it. <laughs> A cost cost saving measure. School children donated pennies. No way. For reals? Yeah. No, yes. wait a minute. Wait, you School said children this, donated pennies. But the, I thought the statue, oh, I guess you were, you were talking about the base because the, the statue itself was a gift, right? Yeah, I think it was like the base or whatever. The point was, okay, and I, I may not have the history totally right. So, I mean, like, and, I, I, I like, we, imagine, like the French showed up and they're like, what are we, what are we going to do? Put it in the water? Maybe, maybe it was a statue to Lenin or to Hitler. I don't know. But anyhow, the point was, <laughs> School children around the country donated pennies, which back then was like a lot of money, which not unlike now. And I love the idea of, listen, they're the ones that are going to get a ride up this thing, not us. You know, not unless it's got a wheelchair lift, okay? I think I know where you're going. I I think, you know, we start a program for children to donate. Well, where are we going? Oh, I thought you were just going to say Kickstarter. Kickstarter, everybody gives a penny. Let's do it now. For a space elevator. And by, pe- and by penny, we mean 10,000 pennies apiece. Every citizen on planet Earth. And no, go. No, no, I, no I, I, I'm all, no, no, forget Kickstarter. No, I'm all for five-year-old kids out there. Get, send them around with buckets of stuff to go raise pennies for the space elevator. Uh, Yeah. So, but, but hold on. All right. I have a question. So, but with like the, was it to pay for? The base, or was it to use the pennies as a metal to build the base? Yeah. Sure, it was to pay. Maybe metaphorically, it was for the copper. I don't know. They forget the details of this. Okay, the you, know what the, is, you know what the problem is? Is we solicit all these kids were like a space elevator would be awesome. Give me two pennies, and the kids are gonna be like, "Wait, if we're all giving you pennies, why don't we just go to Mars instead? That'd be way cooler." <laughs> it's like, I, I don't the, understand. I'm like, this well, yeah, space I'm with idea. you. 
but then then it's going to be me having to yell at the kid too. You know, I'm going to be like, but, but yeah, but but, but forget about Mars, but space elevators really because. Yeah, well, no, that's the thing. It's like, listen, kids, we got that. We're on yeah. that. We bag. have some we have some crazy foreigner that became an American. And he's building rocket ships. We're going there. Don't you worry. We need a space elevator. Go steal 40 pennies from your family. I just wanted to get the youth of America excited about it. That's all. <laughs> I think it's a great idea. Uh, look, look. first of all, I want the – here's what I'm disappointed in is uh, – I mean the, the, I guess the concept of a space elevator while – Episode Brian, one. I apologize for that. Well, no, no, no. I mean, what I'm saying is, is like uh, the original concept for the space elevator had been around, but of course it was popularized among uh, awesome nerds like us with Arthur C. Clarke. But I can't think of a single big mainstream science fiction story that that has with any kind of explanation or plot point a space elevator in it, even though this this is much more realistic and and as revolutionary a step as your Star Trek transporter or your your Star Wars lightsaber, that kind of thing. Well, Brian, I guess it might be premature to announce my forthcoming book, Murder on the Space Elevator Express. No! <laughs> Soon to be made I into a major motion picture. It's soon to be a yeah in my backyard. Uh, <laughs> no, I think that, like, yeah, you've had... Starring two dogs. Yeah, I think I'm going to trampoline Clark and, and pl- playing some background <laughs> in there. Like, I think you're... I think, you know, I'm sure somebody out there is going to correct us and they're going to tell us about a whole genre of space elevator fiction. <laughs> you know, but, but not uh, anything but yeah, I can't think of any. No, no, but I mean, even Fountains of Paradise, I wouldn't know if I'd call that mainstream. No, 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 no. Uh, so, although uh, the, um, the most mainstream thing I ever read was the Mars trilogy, which was my pick last week. But uh, because they they do yeah. go into considerable detail about how they create one, they create multiple on Mars, which is easier because the gravity is lower, and then eventually they they figure out how to do it on Earth with our gravity. Bring in the Mars ones. So that was just an idea. Okay, so we're we're okay with unicorn whistles, pennies for space elevator. Eh. Dude, and you know what? That's what we'll do is when you give us all the pennies. When we get the pennies for the space elevator, we're like, and here's your honorary weird things unicorn whistle. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, would you like to get more weird things in your life? How about NSFW show or scam school? Well, gumshoes, there's a whole precinct of friends waiting for you in the Diamond Club. How do you get to the Diamond Club, you might ask yourself? Well, it's very simple, gumshoes. All you have to do is on Twitter or Facebook, hashtag what you're saying, chat realm. That's it. Or how about you put two brackets, the sharpie ones, not the roundies, on anything that you put on Facebook or Twitter. Cat Realm and Diamond Club will find you and instant friends, gumshoes. Follow the clues. Diamond Club's the way to go. This message brought to you by Brad Shively at BJ Shively on Twitter. All right. So, uh, of light of recent events, um, some attention's been brought to uh, SEAL Team 6, which may or may not exist. And, you know, Brian, you play a lot of video games. A lot of a lot of military ones are probably very familiar with a, a lot of those terminology. Yeah. Like gun, like guns and bullets and stuff and other and military terms. Bad and bad guys. Yeah. All right. I want to propose a scenario. Let's say, let's say, Brian, you found yourself in the military. 
you found yourself somehow put into some sort of special forces unit. Okay. All right. Justin, you're there too. You're hey, there too. Hey, look at me. I'm in the right? military. So the somehow, yeah, like, the of course, works. the somehow involves a massive governmental relaxation of the standards of who makes it into special, the, special forces. Don't ask, don't tell. Yeah. Yeah. They, they say, oh, this is what we're going to do, guys. We're going to create. Actually, know what? Even better. Here's what it is. Okay. You guys are part of some sort of blogger embed force. Oh, that's cool. Right? I, I right? thought you were going to go a different direction. I, I thought you were going to say like amazing Iron Man suits make it so that uh, it doesn't matter how fat and out of shape and old you are, that you could be special forces now. They still get out Okay, sorry. So, uh, <laughs> they, uh, they have, things like, aren't free, bro. They have like a special bloggers force. They tell you like, oh, you guys get to go to, you know, camp sand in your crack. And it's great. We've got a real gigabit ethernet. We've got all the things you want. We want to bring you guys over. You can do your, you can do your, you know, NSFW show there. We've got a lot of guys that are fans of it and all that. All right, you with me? Awesome. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. You know, you guys are, you know, patriots. So you'd say, all right, you go over there. You guys fly in there. You land at the camp. It's great. It's really hot. Really hot. It's like 150 billion degrees in the shade. Okay. You're like, all right, this is kind of cool. You know, every woman you see is kind of attractive and fit, but could just snap your neck in an instant. And uh, they're like, all right, guys, uh, you know, here's some documentation. You need to sign this sort of stuff. You sign the stuff and, you know, usual legalese. And you hop out like, all right, we're going to send you out on a patrol. I love patrols. Yeah, dude. All right, Brian, you down on this patrol? Oh, heck yeah. That's where right. we put, we immediately, we put on our, our bobby caps and we walk down with a nightstick. Exactly, exactly. Whistling the whole way. <laughs> Whistling a unicorn. Well, I, I thought it was going to be like, like, uh, like, like Buffy. Patrol where we're creeping around graveyards, or Batman Patrol where we're leering from on top of rooftops. No, this is kind key, of a little bit of both. Keystone Cops Patrol is what we're doing. Right. When you guys are on the, so you guys go hop on the back of some sort of a Humvee or whatever. They drive out into the desert and like, yeah, we got to clear out some caves. Like, all right, let's go, let's go clear out some caves, right? And so you go out there and you know you got four soldiers with you, manly men, men that are so masculine you feel like women when you're next to them, right? So they're they're just not regular men. Because I put on my, not just because yeah. I applied my lipstick so fashionably. I mean, you know, you know, you look like a, a Lannister next to a Death Rocky. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so uh, four of these guys, they go into a cave. You hear some gunfire. Bah, 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 and then you're like, you know, like what what were you getting? They're like, oh, you know, some sort of you know thing ish stuff we're trying to get. You're like, all right, cool. Guy shouts out, like, hey guys, come in, take a look. Yeah. Oh, yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, of course. Because why I, we're here? Because yeah, we're look. The life of an embedded blogger means you have to take risks, and sometimes that means walking twelve feet towards a special forces person who's inside a cave. I do, do want to point river. out that I'm walking behind Brian right. in a way that I would assume gunfire. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you've got like your night vision goggles on. You can see the backs over his head. You go into the cave, and like the guys are like kind of like leaning over a body. They're like, "Hey, come in and look." All right, go in and you look. You look down and see some dude. Maybe he's wearing some sort of desert attire. Right? So sand? He's wrapped in the sand? Yes, he's wrapped in sand. He's wearing his Furman still suit. And then uh, you look at him and his eyes open up. All right? And you got this night vision on too. You look at him. He looks up and his eyes open up. They look right at you. Right. Smiles. You see little vampire fangs come out. What? Yeah, little vampire fangs, right? All right. 
The other guys turn to you and like, dudes, we're sorry about this. And they just bite into it. It's a little blood fest. You just bite into your necks. Like, one on either side. Necks? Blood starts. Your necks! The special forces what? guys? Oh, but they're no more. Oh, look. I will tell you what, sirs. You will definitely be reading about this in my next blog post. I you just you just bit the wrong embedded blogger, my friend. Yeah, because you, you, you pass out from the blood loss. Not not the probably with my iPhone in hand trying to tweet as I'm like like OMG. Yes. All right, so you pass out. You there. You wake up and you're in some sort of military hospital. You're still in the desert. You can hear helicopters going around overhead. You're strapped into a hospital bed. Both of you different beds. You're in different rooms now. You've been separated. All right, and I'm gonna I'm gonna start with uh, we'll start with Justin. All right. All right. So uh, the dude looks just like the blinds are drawn down, right? You're in a tight, closed room, so you can't tell if it's night or day. And the, the dude looks just like the guy from Avatar, you know, who, uh, you, know, you know, was obsessed with shaved-tailed Louis. Walks yeah. in. He's got this look on his face as well. You notice you're feeling a little bit different. You look down, and you're like, you're ripped. You're ripped. Not really, what? like, strong ripped, but, like, you're, you're, you've lost a lot of body fat, okay? Huh. You've lost, like, 30, 40 pounds, right? And Here we go. He's like, there's, like, an IV over there. Blood's pumping into you. It's going to be like, oh, I, I mean, I knew I was a sleepwalker, but this is pretty awesome. <laughs> He's like, apparently yeah. I worked out steadily. Apparently, apparently I'm a sleep runner, a sleep ellipticaler, a sleep stationary <laughs> bicycler, and a sleep logo, yoga Pilates class taker. My sleep crunches are on point. He's like, listen, you got the infection. All right? He says, I, I'm not going to give you the whole backstory. I'm just going to tell you this. Alien parasite, blah, blah, blah. All right? Here is the deal. Okay? You can't go back to your family anymore. We can't send you back out there. You've got three choices. Choice number one, I take my sidearm from my waist. I blow your brains out right here. It's a hospital. They clean up blood all the time. We saw off your head. Use an electric saw. Okay? We cremate your body, we cremate your head, and we scatter your ashes. That's option number one. Now, hold on, hold on. What what are we told about our condition at this point? It's kind of vague. Blah, 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 alien parasites. Okay. Alien parasite, blah, 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 vampirism. Okay. Okay. All right. So, all right, so this is like option two. So, you know, option two, you know, like I said, we, we, we can humanely end your life right now, which maybe you want to is... We've got a hospital. We've got a place. But I'll be honest with you, it's more of a dark hole in the ground. We just throw you in there and just give you the bare minimum to stay alive because, frankly, uh, you know, you become a more and more dangerous threat the longer you're alive. And, you know, we can't risk people trying to contain you. So it's a harsh, harsh place where you're going to wish for option number one. All right. Option number okay. three. Okay. All right. Option number three. All right. By the way, for option the record, not, is- not a fan so far of one or two. Neither of those, uh, my favorite yeah, of those well, is not on either of them. And really, I only have one follow-up question, and it's option number two, and that's just cable, question mark? Yeah. Option number three, we've got a special unit. No way. We call them. Yes. All the right. Elite Vampire Blogger Corps. Yes. Uh, but you want to know what? You started that sentence with no way, which means you're going to option two. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Oh no! Choose no, your words what carefully. A, what, a, what the the military is a fickle genie now? <laughs> they laugh and they're like, "Trick you!" <laughs> and Brian's trying to explain himself as they cruelly wheel his gurney down the hall. But wait! I'm like, I wish for more wishes, and they're like, "Sorry, sucker." <laughs> Option number three: Vampire Special Forces. 
Yes. Are you kidding the me, The V team. You know what? Okay, you could have, you wasted so much breath. What if you just said, <laughs> hey, you're out with some special forces guys, and then one turn said, hey, you want me to bite you? You'll turn into a vampire, but then you get to join the vampire special forces. <laughs> yes. The answer is yes. Well, but no, but this is part of like the initiation, right? Like they got to put you in the right frame of mind so you totally understand. So first, that whole blogger thing, like you don't even blog, Brian, and I'm I, certainly I not have good I at have it. made blog entries in the past. I've dabbled okay, in bloggery. Yes. Yes. But did you think that that was enough to get you put on the elite special forces unit? No. Did, did you, you take did, when they said we really like your writing? Did you take them seriously? Well, they said they said <laughs> they were to be honest. They just said, "Hey, aren't you Brian Brushwood?" And I was like, "Yeah." And then they they're like, "Get in this van." And I was like, "Is there beer in there?" And they're like, "Yes." <laughs> uh. You know, so they, they they thought we'd be pretty cool guys, and they knew through a, a vast statistical study that we would in no way turn down being part of a vampire special ops unit. In fact, you don't even even need to you don't even need to have the military actually be in this. You could ask me right now, Andrew. You're like, I have this serum that I'm pretty sure will make you a vampire. At which point, we will establish the vampire special forces, and then of course, I'm going to drink it. Okay, but hold on. But let's 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 tighten this one up a little bit, right? So you're saying, like, you you have to you have a family. Like for me, no one's gonna miss me. I can go be a vampire, you know, shooting terrorists in Islamabad all goddamn day long. No one's, you know, until Andrew starts getting emails about you know product not going out. Uh, you know, no one's gonna care. Well, but that's- you got a family, so you're saying. No. Okay. Then the answer is, of course, of course, I don't want to be made into a vampire. And to be honest, I probably would have even, I don't know. I I probably would have gone if my safety was pretty much guaranteed to be the elite blogger embedded unit. But man, I guess, I guess maybe this was a good setup because I'm already a vampire. Ain't nothing I could do. And my, I mean, there's no going back to my family. I'm either in a hole or a bullet in my brain. Uh, So I guess the only downside, I guess the upside is I'm part of the elite vampire special forces, but the downside is I always remember this other life. I, I think I would explain, I will join your club, but you got to tell my family I'm dead and they'll all. Oh, no, they're, oh, you know, we are. They're like, no, we, we told them you were dead the moment you got on the plane to come here. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, in that case, in that case, oh, wait, hold on. Wait, can, can I ask a question just to revisit this scenario a little bit? So are, are we to say that the person, that they lured us into that cave. No, 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 no. So no. we could they, be they bitten by them? Just, no, they just figured your survival skills were so bad. They got into with some crazy Arab vampire in that cave that super infected the other guys real quick. It was an accident. You right, were not okay. their first choice. All of the men went me. down. We all got bit. And then this this is who we are now. We're a band of blood brothers. Ooh, that's can that be the name of our group? The Blood Brothers. Well, we I could take what well, what That's going to be the title. That's going to be the title of my book, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be awesome. Uh, well, what was it was uh Blades Blades crew was the Blood Pack, right? Yeah. Yeah, we see like this would be real special forces. It's not like you each have your own clever little persona and your own little weapon. I mean, it'd like be real military. Well, like real military operations, like going yeah. after Wolfman. Yeah, but at the same time, I can be called Bladeface, right? Yeah, and we can all get matching tattoos, right? Like a, yeah, oh yeah, for sure. And you know what? You call me call me O positive because that's my blood type. <laughs> all right. And plus, I have a I have a chipper disposition, and I'm always looking on the bright side. It's like you know we're getting we're surrounded. And we're surrounded. I'm like, yeah, that means there's nowhere for them to run. 
Always looking on the bright side, oh positive. <laughs> and then we start shooting. Oh God, sun's coming up. I'm turning to ash. I'm like, exactly. yeah, but now and you they call me great. Blade Face because I duct taped a knife to my head. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, I'm getting like, to rethink this. Justin, why are I'm you doing that? Rethink- you have fangs. <laughs> I'm beginning to rethink the special unit I was contemplating putting together. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's still a special unit, just a different interpretation of the phrase. <laughs> well, you find out, like, the kind of missions they do are like, all right, uh, Schwood, um, here's what we're going to oh, do. Oh, positive. Oh, is, positive. Uh, yeah, no, no, we, we assign the names here. Uh, okay. okay, but I would appreciate, right. I understand that, that yeah, formality. Yeah, shut up, OP. For, 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 the, for a formality, you need to call me that, but but seriously, you, it's cool. I won't tell you, oh, positive. In the brig, in the brig, in the brig. They throw you in the brig. Sorry. Oh, man. All right, three weeks later, they pull you out of the brig. <laughs> <laughs> now we're going to continue on with this conversation. I feel like I'm playing a Sierra adventure game, and I just failed. <laughs> And you then like, I reloaded. Like just, do you like James? Do you like James Bond movies? Uh, yes. Give you nickname. Do you like them? Yeah, yes. All right, pussy galore. Here's what I need you to do. All no, right. No, it's O, o is, positive because that was my blood type when I was a human. Back in the brig. Oh, back in the three brig. more weeks later. <laughs> I like the you fact that we, we all. I like the fact that we all give a moment of silence to represent my three weeks in the hole. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, anyhow, they get past all that. Like, I, I like to imagine it's just Brian just sitting alone as like the the shadows kind of just subtly shift to the background and Tom Petty's waiting place. <laughs> so uh, they finally, they're like, all right, they pull you out and you come out and you say, I'll be all right. Uh, here's what I say. Here's what I like. All right, I'm going to give you, uh, you want your stupid name? Okay. Mr. O positive, okay, but I want you to go into a bar and tell girls that's your name and they're going to think you have HIV, but that's fine. That's what? fine. It's well, your no, deal. no, no, they'll, they'll think I'm French. Here's, yeah, sure. So here's the mission. Here's the mission to get your nickname to earn it. We need to bury you in the ground for four months outside some compound. Now, why? Oh, wait a minute. So I could be like a <laughs> sleeper cell. Exactly, exactly. You get the signal, you pop up out of the ground. <laughs> dude, all I'm saying is just bury me well, with How a- does he stay alive though? No. He's a vampire. I don't dude. Need, but he's he still not? needs blood. Well, they when get you, when they you don't feed a vampire for They hook me up with like some Capri Suns filled with with O negative, exactly. ironically enough, and they give me a car battery <laughs> and an iPhone so I'm able to play all my games for uh, you know, 4 see, months. See Justin Bryan gets it. Yeah, all right. I was just asking. Oh, oh positive. My please. new, my new. Uh, <laughs> Owen JJ Stone, aka O positive. <laughs> That'll be the first one I bite. Right. Just so, just so <laughs> he, he can be O negative because he's always yeah. You know, well, number one, we're color inverses of each other, and then also he's got the the bad disposition. Yeah. Also, I'll tell you what. Talk about a guy who probably wouldn't uh, wouldn't be upset if you uh, foisted a hundred percent. Uh, results guaranteed weight loss program. <laughs> the only thing is you have to eat the blood of the innocent. Is that really oh, goes the truth? <laughs> oh, the answer is still uh, yes. No, no. As long as I had a way to just, you know, just, just, you know, find a way to enjoy my stories. I'd be tweeting from underground. Nobody would know I was on a mission. So wait, but like, what about your family that has already been told you're dead? <laughs> um, well, th- th- I created a new account. I and but I was didn't want to lose all my, my At current O positive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I just converted my existing Schwood account over to O positive. 
So uh, that way <laughs> no, I keep all my followers. you can't have it both ways. If you want a new identity, you can't enjoy the several tens of thousands of people that you've amassed on the Schwartz account. Okay, okay. Well, you're, then you're in that find case, yourself on a one-way ticket to Guantanamo. It's, it's going to be me and you, Bri. I'm going to be tweeting back to you. It's going to be O positive with one follower. And that's <laughs> at Bladeface. Bladeface. And I'm I'm checking your status updates. You're just like taping the blade back on <laughs> every morning. Exactly. It's just me. It's just me tweeting, listening to Elton John albums. Really should have called myself Razorface. <laughs> blade face. Uh, yeah. No, I totally so, uh, do that. What, what, what's Justin? Is he buried with me, or is he going to be like the invading force? What a weirdo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right next to each other, all cuzzy. You're like you're arm in arm, buried together. Is it better? It's like a four month sleepover. Yeah, <laughs> it's dude. a sleep under. <laughs> and we didn't have to ask. I could see you guys. I would, I would be like, I'm gonna be out there at the shovel. You guys get into there, and you're like, all right. So I put my arm here. What do we do? I'm like, just lay down, guys. I start <laughs> shoveling dirt on you. You're like, and you're like, oh, my arm's gonna fall asleep like that. Let me try it like this. <laughs> Justin's okay. like, what if we do like head to toe? What about that? All right, but hold on. What is the mission? I'm like, I will tell you later and just bury you and move on to the next scenario. <laughs> <laughs> and so ends the great military legend of O positive and, and blade, blade face. Blade face. <laughs> mission success. <laughs> <laughs> You did so, it, boys. Uh, you laid there for four months and did nothing. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> By the way, you're totally not vampire, vampires. Those are just Capri yeah, Suns. <laughs> See, these are stupid little fangs we carry around. It's a new trick we play on everybody. Now you guys are cradling each other as we bury you in the ground. <laughs> but the good news is you're in the fraternity now. Yes, you're Kappa exactly. <laughs> And now you're actually vampires. Then, really? Then no, still no. There's no, no such thing no, as vampires. No. I, I'm actually live streaming this right now <laughs> to all your fans. <laughs> and why are you still hugging each other? By the way, uh, we also didn't tell your family, Brian, that you were dead. Uh, we just kept them updated on all the events that were happening. Yeah. And having seen how retarded you are, she's decided to file divorce papers. Yeah, and, and i surprised you guys didn't notice the Austin skyline and get suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, these, these, uh, these, did, did, these did, did Colonel Amtrekker kind of tip it off a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> these pine trees that didn't tip you off that, uh, that you're maybe not in the middle East with the pine trees yeah, everywhere. So been sitting here, you know, eating Rudy's barbecue, sipping from a Sonic cup. Not at all. In fact, in fact that blood, I'm, I'm, I'm Andrew Maine. I'm not actually a, a a high-ranking colonel? No, no. Cam Sand in your crack is actually in Lexington, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> and then you guys, I bet you'd be genuinely upset at this point that you don't get a B. Oh, no, I'm, oh I, my God, I'd be furious. I'm betting at that point, we're, I'm like, I'm like I, I, I ran off and killed a rat and sucked its blood for sustenance. I thought I thought I was a vampire. You're like, I, I feel it turns funny out now. I was just really hungry. And you're like, we're like I, I feel funny now. That's rabies, Brian. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Probably and a little bit why, of the mange too. That's why we're putting in you into a new a new unit of <laughs> soldiers to comprise completely of rabies survivors. <laughs> really? No. Again, there's no such thing as any of this. Ah, <laughs> uh, but look at your faces. They're covered in hair. You're gonna put you in the werewolf core. <laughs> 
no, you guys didn't shave. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, really? No, that's called the circus. And so Justin and Brian live the rest of their lives entertaining families through Latin America. You want to hear Awkward? Awkward is having a vampire suck your blood and then spit it right back into your own mouth. And he's like, how do you like to taste your own blood, blood swallower? And you're like, that wasn't very clever. And he's all like, just because I'm the undead doesn't mean that I'm funny. And then you just look at each other. This part of the podcast is brought to you by a friendly benefactor. We've talked a bit about extraterrestrial life before, you know, some, from some different points of view. I'm going to ask again, uh, start with Justin. No. Intelligent life out there? Uh, you know what? Yes. I'm going to say there is something that we would consider intelligent life out there. More advanced than us? Uh, you know, space is a pretty big place. I'm going to, oh. I, I always say bet the field. I'm betting the field. All right. Bri, Absolutely. Absolutely, there is intelligent life. Now, the question is, is there at this exact moment? I will determine the questions, Brian. Okay, sorry, sorry. <laughs> All right, go ahead. No, no, no. Sorry, my oh, lord. Did you say the question was? Um, <laughs> no, we did say the question was. Uh, well, I mean, the question to me is like, like uh, certain- You don't want to see the dragon, do you? Either, either in the past or in the future or possibly right now, the answer is yes. Uh, just statistically, it just makes sense. But, but I mean, space right. is big and the odds of- us encountering them is where it gets that dicey. Is, space and that time is a is rumor being space is big. It's just a rumor being perpetuated by the Earth industry. <laughs> <laughs> space wasn't always this. Big, um, all right. Yeah. No. So. Uh, all right. So we yeah, we got two guys. Two guys. Yes, on ET at some point. At, yes. Throughout and the history, and we all universe. agree that space is big and black. And time yes. is big. Right. Okay. Thank and you. black. <laughs> um, yeah, moving along. Next. So let's, let's follow this further. Okay. Is there, do you think, starting with Brian, do you think that in the history of humanity, we will ever get any evidence of there being other intelligent races out there, species or whatever? I'm going to say, the odds are not in our favor, both because, like I mentioned, space is big, which means they could be alive right now and sending us signals, but they're so far away, we never quite pick them up, or that the odds of them being around at the same time we're around, because all of humanity, odds are, will be a, just a drop in the bucket, a blink of the eyes in the great timeline of the universe. And I'm going to say that the odds of during that brief blink in this tip of a needle out of all of space and time, the uh, the odds of us encountering someone else whose intelligence not very likely, unfortunately. Not even radio transmissions or I some mean, form of communications, quantum tachyon, I, imaginary I, particles, what have you. I, I think it's definitely worth looking because you know you you got to buy a lottery ticket to have a chance of winning the lottery. But I, it still it seems like a long shot. Justin? Now, now this is if I don't if I'm not mistaken, the basis of one of our our OG Weird Things podcast screaming matches. Oh, right? oh positive, oh positive. <laughs> uh, and and I think you know I I totally agree uh, with 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 Brian's uh, position. Um, 
that it is a a gigantic long shot. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I'm gonna go ahead. I, I like I like to I like to you know I I would I would like to be preparing for a world in which we make contact. So, Brian, Andy. you say it's like buying a lottery ticket, but the odds are the same. <laughs> yeah, almost the same as if you don't buy a lottery ticket. It, actually, they're and, almost as bad as winning a lottery. Yes. Yeah. I, and, and I and I, I just I'll clarify my own position is I, I I think the likelihood of us other finding intelligent bases are like next to zero. Not so much because of the communications problem, which I think is re- is really significant. I just don't have any sort of data to understand what the likelihood of intelligence is. And and I'll you know go back to you know you could have visited our planet a hundred thousand years ago and encountered probably three four hominid species that seemed intelligent, but only one of them had the ability to trade to understand concepts from distances and ended up where we are while the other three went extinct, either from us or just from the process of nature, you know, just moving forward and them getting left behind like 99.9% of other species do. So I, I'm even more pessimistic about the likelihood of finding intelligence out there because of that. Not, it's not to say that I don't want to, well, I actually like the idea of the universe being ours, but you know, it's, it's the one thing to go from the possibility of there being life do the intelligent life because even then that that oh, definition is nebulous. But I, I actually have one more thing to chime in on this because it's so. First of all, we got time and space being big, and we got the odds of there being another intelligent life being small. Like you know, evolving intelligence itself is not terribly important from an ev- evolutionary standpoint. It doesn't. There's not oh, that no. big of a reason to be smart, a smarter ant or whatever, right? Uh, and I'll tell you, for right. example, then there's the fact that so much of our ability to communicate with interstellar signals is because uh, we happen to have these these opposable thumbs and these hands. So maybe there is intelligent life out there right now at this moment, and maybe it's within range of us being able to fly out there or at least look for a signal, but maybe it just happens to be in an animal that doesn't have opposable thumbs. For all we know, freaking whales are smarter than we are, but they never really got a way to say it. Yeah, it's hard for them to develop the kind of technology to allow them. It's a very good point. So either way... Um, if you have how much you have a dollar, how much of that dollar do you want to spend on looking for extra? Should we spend money? Would you want? Do you want to spend any of your own money towards it? Oh, sure. I mean, I mean, people already people already spend time by letting their computers run the SETI at home project, and that time has a value. I'm sorry, the what? The, the, set, the, the set, what? SETI at home. Search for extraterrestrial intelligence. What? 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 What organization is this? S-E-T-I, the, the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. It's an organization that so Brian, scans did, the heavens looking for radio signals. Well, Brian, didn't right. you hear about the Allen Telescope Array? Oh, you're talking about the the budget shortfall. The fact that they're shutting down the, the radio telescopes. Yep. And they're hurting the dreams of children and adults everywhere. So right now... Exciting time. This is Ryan, by the way, reported this on Weird Things. The Allen Telescope Array, which was uh, donated initially by Paula Allen, one of the Microsoft gazillionaires, and it was a, an array of telescopes that he helped pay to keep running. Basically, the idea was they were trying to scan parts of the sky that we thought we might find intelligent life. And they've just sort of run out of money, no more money to keep going. And this is right at this point in time where now we're finding Earth-sized planets and having some grasp of what's around these stars. When this program first started, we just pointed at shiny things and said, maybe it's there. Yes. 
well, now and, it's out of money. And keep in mind also that the hunt is not totally suspended because uh, we have just gallons of data that we've collected. And so that's that's what the SETI at Home project is still churning through, is looking to see if there's some kind of signal embedded in the noise that we've been able to grab so far. So it's yeah. not like everything's yeah, but that was but but – I mean, it's but, like, yeah, but, but the yeah. new, the new capture. Now yeah, that we have a better, uh, a better idea of where to point exactly. this big yeah. fat disc. Exactly. Agreed a million times over. It is, it's, it's a tragedy. Uh, I, I got to imagine, I think enough people believe in the mission of SETI. I mean, I, I'm somebody who's highly dubious of whether or not we'll happen to find something, but I still want at all times us to have ears on listening for Smokies on the CB in space. Oh. To straight cold bus somebody <laughs> snooping around. Well, I'll, I'll bring up a, uh, a a little bit of a conspiracy theory for you here. Yeah, here we go. There is a. I remember reading some books that talked about undersea exploration, and they talk about when they use sonar and undersea microphones, things called like biologics, which were biologicals or whatever, which are things such as whales and other things that move by large fish that give readings. And naval, you know, these deep, deep water submarines would go down and they would listen to things. And they tried to identify as many things as you can because when you sent off a little ping and you heard your echo, you wanted to understand what you were hearing. Was that a Russian sub? What was that out there? Right. And they had catalogs of stuff. Periodically, they would find things that they didn't exist in the catalog. Large things. And a lot of this information wasn't divulged because you didn't want to reveal where our submarines are or how deep they were or what kind of microphones we're using, what was the sensitivity. And so there's a treasure trove of data waiting to be explored. And now that data is even more precise of things that our submarines are seeing down there. The NSA has all sorts of advanced radio telescopes designed to listen on communications. Some of these are designed to look up at satellites and to try and figure out what's bouncing off of them. Some of them might be capable of picking up other things out there, and they have far, far more advanced signal processing technologies than we can even, you know, approach in a commercial sense. You know, is, is, is our data already there? Is any proof that could be found already there? I mean... What would you do? Okay, you're, 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 you guys are, you know, president and vice president, all right? Dibs so, on uh, VP. No, I don't know. I think I think if anybody's going to say really hugely embarrassing things, it's going to be you know Justin. Yeah. It's okay. Uh, the 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 blunder of the In week. In your face. Yeah. So right, whatever you want to be, okay. Justin's president. Brian's VP. All right. Awesome. Yeah. I'm I'm head of the I'm head of the NSA. I'm like chief spook. I'm Count Chocula. Okay. Yeah. I come into your office. I'm like, guys, I'm going to show you something. Lay out like chart, like some spectrum. So you see these things here. And like, yes, this is a regular signal. Like, okay, what is it? It's a helium ion, or it's like a, it's a hydrogen atom. It's basically the same sort of signal that you would expect from somebody trying to say, this is hydrogen. Like, okay, and so yeah, and, you know, a little while later, I flip it over and like, this is helium, right? It goes through the first, you know, 40 or 50 elements of our periodic table. And we found this at a band. We've identified it. It is coming from outside Earth orbit. It's coming from a point in a star system, three light years, four or five light years away. Problem is, is we're using our state-of-the-art stuff. We're using the special, you know, stuff that nobody knows we have. Antennas that can listen in on cell phones in Moscow. Yeah. And we use signal processing, things like that. What do we do with this? I mean, uh, investigate. 
right, Bri? I mean, I guess, I, uh, uh, Mr. President, um, it seems like we should continue to gather data, but maybe we could quietly or not so quietly start working on a long-term interstellar space program, question mark? Well, yes. I mean, I guess here's, I mean, number one, you have your first question, which is do we act on it or do we want to find out more about it before we act? And I am firmly in camp act. And I, I think you agree, right? Yes. And right. and plus, we need to build a space elevator and you're the president. You can make this happen. <laughs> you well, are obsessed with the elevator. Um, so if we're acting, then to me, the two... Options. What is that? What is that? Okay, go ahead. The two options are: do we try to communicate back to them in any way we can, or do we try to investigate physically what it is, either by sight or by travel? Well, but the good the good news is any kind of physical approach, whether it's with robots or with space. I mean, we're looking at at dozens, if not tens of hundreds of years in order to get to that point. So we could, we could be doing the one while we're working on the other. Right. All right. So we want to, first thing we should try and look, I mean, what is the closest NSA guy? What's the closest that we can come on any kind of 10 years out to getting any kind of visual on what the hell this thing is? Well, we could, we might be able to get, you know, some sort of higher resolution photographs, Given some space telescopes, Alan, or, or excuse me, given you know using the James Webb, whatever, we might be able to get some sort of idea of what's around that star, where it's coming from. But there's a very high probability that we might just find that it's we might not see anything because it could be a satellite repeating a signal. Mm, okay. We might not know anything. Well, and uh, and then I, I guess we got to we got to look deeper in the signal and see if there's anything else because essentially all they're saying is like we're here, we're intelligent, get used to it, right? Yeah, just it's just a simple. Yeah, absolutely. It's just something intel. You know, something an intelligent species telling you something. Some this is a you know an easily discernible thing about the universe that should be universal to everybody. Yeah. Well, then uh, there's got to be more to the message. I mean, we we get you know you don't just say hey hey hey. I mean, that's just a dog barking. There's got to be more in the Mr. What? President. There's got to be more to the <clears throat> signal. And they're like, you know, well, I'm the advisor, and I'll be like, well, you know, we've looked at it. All we see is that, and our best scientists, our smartest minds, most brilliant minds, me, have <laughs> determined that it's a carrier wave. Basically, probably something would follow if we pinged it back. Oh, oh. That's the question. Oh, wow. Well, we ping it up. Hold on. Whoa, whoa, Mr. President, Let's go Mr. President. Pink whoa, City, whoa, whoa. USA. Mr. President. Ping a ling a ding dong. <laughs> Mr. President. That's my new reelection campaign. Mr. President, uh, I, I understand that you're from Florida, so surely you have memories of things that were called bug zappers. They're these devices with very attractive bright lights, and they would lure in bugs with the intention of zapping them and killing them. You. Could this yeah, be? Yeah, bugs flew into that. We're not flying into nothing. We're staying here, and we're ping. We're we're we're, no, we're, we're you, riding the ping. You, you might be doing something worse, Mr. President. You you are announcing our coordinates. There's no way to to get the message out without revealing where we are. So can we shoot it from some other point in the solar system? Ooh, or make it look like that. That's up to you, Mr. President. The difference is we could ping let's back roll today. Out. Let's make it look like Venus, and then if they come to Venus, we're like, "Oops, sight." Well, uh, if I may say Venus. so, 
sir, Mr. President. Um, this is a flawless plan. Yeah, any, anything coming from our solar system, if they look over here, they're going to know where it came <laughs> from. They're not going to be they're not going to be fooled. And, and you know what? Even if and, we get as far as like Alpha Centauri, you know, they're it, they're going to come over to Alpha Centauri, and they're like, oh, a very primitive relay satellite. Well, and it, loud enough that we could hear them over space, they say. Don't suppose there's any intelligent beings around here, <laughs> is there? But I'll give you, I'll give you a, a, a. And then a, we all, a, we all giggle like a three-year-old hiding in the closet collectively. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna step up the scenario in just a moment, but I want to ask, I'm gonna say, because listen, I'm, I'm your national security advisor, and I'm kind of telling you, like, listen, the goal here is security, all right? And we send a signal back. You know, we don't, you know, the signals, we, as far as we can tell, it's sweeping through, it's hitting multiple planets, probably multiple parts, multiple solar systems, whatever. So here's the thing, you know, once we tell it, we say, hey, say hi, we're not going to be able to fool where we're from once it knows we're here. All right. And there could be an argument that they already know we're here and that's why they're hitting us. And you know, it might what? be trying to test something else. Go ahead, Brian. I'm going to say I'm going to say I have, and I'm surprised I'm finding myself in this position. But I'm going to say I firmly, firmly believe that we absolutely do not, certainly not for hundreds or thousands of years, maybe not ever, respond to this signal. The reason being is because if they're sending the signal, that means they're more advanced than us. And in the great history of yep. mankind, we've had a lot of unbalanced meetings between advanced civilizations meeting up with primitive civilizations. And I cannot think of one scenario where it worked out very well for the primitives. It's definitely going to be bad if we respond and give it up to them. I, I, would, I would say that we, if we take a very myopic view, maybe that's the case, but the, the vast amount of human history has been mostly predominated by peaceful trade between people with different interests. We, we yeah. focus and single in on the war. It's the isolated groups that try to stay away from everybody else who, one, get the depressed immune systems, who once developed the really strange ideologies that puts them in conflict with somebody else and only sort of makes it worse. So there is an argument to be made that you know the guys that hold out the longest – whether they be people who are because of geography, like in the Americas, or people who are in some of these remote islands, they're the ones that face the biggest brunt of it because they're xenophobic people to begin with, and they have tremendous amounts of infighting. Yeah, a Vice President Brushwood, and, and you are a distinguished thinker and a gentleman uh, and a friend, but your plan is boring. Mr. President, oh, oh positive, and please. Stinks. It stinks. Uh, <laughs> but, I'm, not, I'm not calling you by your old dirt name. <laughs> But I, I will I will throw out a, a a you know maybe maybe there's arguments pro and con to the idea of being the less advanced species. But the one thing we know is if we we as a less advanced species, you know they're going to have such a technological superiority. There is no way that once they know we're here, whatever they're going to want to do, they're going to do. But here's another thing to think about. Okay, we talked about like the idea of there's intelligence, you know, there's sentience. There's other been there's been degrees of intelligent creatures on our planet before within our own you know hominid tree you know several maybe it's smart maybe the Neanderthals were smarter than us but they didn't trade and that's what hurt them which could be what could kill us if we kind of run away and hide under the rock but maybe maybe the purpose of the signal is and I'm like you know what maybe what the signal is is the thing that they're concerned about is not if we're intelligent but they want to know how curious we are and if we're really curious then they consider us a threat. And if we believe hard enough in the unicorn aliens, they'll come and so bring wait, a spaceship. So wait, you're saying that we should big time them? That we should just like accidentally 
like send them a signal, then send them a signal right after that saying like, oh, no, sorry, we weren't talking to you, crazy satellite. We were talking to somebody else that's totally cooler. I'm saying if they think that we're just going to stick to our own little solar system and not go anywhere else and and not try to expand on out there, then maybe they're going to be like, all right, hands off. But this is a... This is a race that's going to start, you know, deciding it has imminent domain on everything else around there and starts expanding out there. Well, then, all right, maybe we got to slap them. Okay. Well, so here's the thing. So I, I, I agree. You've made a very compelling case that it could be bad to not do anything. But the question is, like, how long do we wait until when do we decide? Screw it. Let's go for it. Let's return the signal. Do we wait a, a day, a week, a year, a decade, well, a millennium? Well, I, I'm giving you, and I, I mean, I'm with the scenario here, I'm giving you the luxury of the idea that. This is a high-level government secret. You know that probably it would be another 20 years before civilian telescopes and arrays detect this. And at a 20-year point, the problem you're going to have is you're going to know there's going to be a point where it is going to get out. And you might be able to control, you know, to a point, anybody trying to respond to it. But sooner or later, some Yahoo is going to want to, you know, some college, community college, you know, electronics class is going to decide, well, we're going to aim the signal back there. Right now, within your administration, which let's say charitably is going to last, you know, through another re-election, do you, <laughs> do you, would you, do you be the ones to say, hey, we found this? Or do you just try to keep this a secret as long as you there can? There is no way we can't push this red button. I submit. I don't think it's possible. I think we got to find the best, most clever way to push the button to see what happens that protects our interests. But I don't think that there's any way possible that this stays in the bottle. I mean, we got a long time, right. Mr. President. We, we've got a, we've, what we need to do is create a think tank. Then let's take our time. Yeah. Okay. I'm in for the think tank. We need, like, we need to get game theorists in the room to figure out what is our statistically most advantageous response. And we've got a few years to figure it out. Present. <laughs> I'm glad I'm just I've saying, already I'm just taken saying, the listen, liberty of calling Andrew Maine, who's here. Well, listen, I'm just saying, all these think tanks are going to be about how, not if. Okay. Well, the, I mean, the think tank's going to be this is, you know, you can, uh, my, my advisor to you as a security advisor, emphasis on security and advising, is you, you get a group together, you get some people, we form it within the NSA, we deal exclusively with trying to understand the signal, looking for other signals, but unless you want some sort of political points for being the one to say, hey, we found it and we're responding to it and making it clear what's going on, to respond at this point would probably be premature. To say anything back there would be ill-advised. See? All right. I'm well, a, Mr. President, you don't, listen to, you don't listen to I, the whole I'm glad. I am glad he put it that way. Because make way for President Alien Meter, <laughs> Justin Robert Young. <laughs> what if, you know, several things happen when the president first gets inaugurated, okay? Mm-hmm. They tell him, you know, here's the suitcase, here's the key codes, here's how to launch the nuclear bombs. I mean, literally, you go from being a governor or senator or whatever uh, with certain levels of responsibility, maybe you had some security clearances, to now all of a sudden you're given all of the secrets or the ones they want to share with you, for example, okay? Yes. You step into office. They tell you how the, the nukes work. They send you away to, uh, I think, Quantico for a day where they show you how to use the, the, you know, the Uzi submachine gun that's hidden inside of the armrest and the, you know, the bulletproof limousine. You're given some firearms training, so last line of resistance, how to protect yourself, and a few other things. And then maybe some secrets. They tell you this is what we know. Get understand is that you know, when, when our president is sitting there in the Oval Office, he's got people coming in here telling him stuff it ain't going to be in the news 
tomorrow or next week or for two years from now. Okay, yeah. he's going to be. They're going to. He's going to be told about. Yeah, you know this guy that we got here. He said this. We don't know if that's true or not. You know, we talk about. Just and I talk about this. How fast presidents age. Okay, Barack Obama has aged a lot in just the last you know two and a half years, and that's because this is the burden responsibility. Same thing happened to Bush. You know, in Clinton. I mean, these guys just went in kind of looking like young men, and they came out looking like old men. And you got to imagine because these guys are coming in there telling you these military things, things like this. Like, yeah, the Pentagon's still being attacked by you know computer you know compu- denial of service attacks. Yes, we think it's coming through China. No, there's nothing we can do about it. You know, yeah, we think we got this thing. Yeah, that rumor about that nuclear weapon turned out to be false, but we found out this other guy's missing. And then maybe the thing they sit there, you know, what if the guy for the NSA comes in and says, yep, here's this folder, here's this thing. Okay, I'm going to tell you, you know, your predecessors, both of them, you know, uh, declined. You know, Clinton got excited about it, but then realized what the implication would be if we told them we announced it and all of a sudden it was the end of human races. He said no. Bush said no. It's in front of you. It's up to you. To decide to tell you know tell the world or keep it a secret. Well, Mister Mister Alien shouts, "I'm here, President." Uh, is is there some kind of like? Can we do that thing where they do on boats where they declare the captain insane and I get to take over? Because no, I crazy for trying. No, to meet the alien. you can't do that. In fact, I that I, I throw a bag of weed on the ground and I'm like, I don't know why you just dropped this out of your pocket. <laughs> secret Service. <laughs> Well, and then the thing is, like, what do you think? You know, you've got this guy as the NSA, and maybe a handful. You're you're gonna go talk to some other people, yeah, Mr. President Justin. Absolutely. Talk? No, I want I want to think thing. And here's uh, honestly, we don't need to go out and announce that we are talking to aliens tomorrow. Now, next week, talk- I'm not guaranteeing anything. Well, we're not talking yet. We're getting we're getting signals from. Them. Listen, and so- you 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 tell me how to secure my borders. I'll tell you how to score political points. Okay. All right. All right. Um, here's how you secure your borders. Don't. Talk back to them. All right. So, all right. We ain't going to do it now, but we need, let's assemble the finest minds to find out about what's the best way that we could move toward the ultimate goal of safely communicating with an extraterrestrial species. All right. And, and if they tell you that could be 30 years away, 40 years or maybe That's never. fine. I'm willing, okay. I'm willing to, I'm willing to go by the consensus of the best and the brightest. All right. Fair enough. I, uh, the more I think about the scenario, more the way I think that would be the way it would go down. You know, is exactly how we, we just we described it. Oh yeah, no, for sure that it's it's not going to be. Hey, everybody, guess what? It's going to be like, oh man, this is scary because this is a scary, scary thing. So now, what happens though, and how high is the priority when all of a sudden we get wind that some Yahoo out in Utah has you know found it and is trying to transmit something? to this signal, you know, like do we send, you know, a vampire squad out there to give them a stern talking to? Yes. Maybe you send the FCC by, you tell them that the transmitter they have, they're not supposed to be using certain frequencies that we already have relegated to military. Maybe there's a reason why, you know, certain frequencies, you know, are military frequencies and maybe aren't used for certain purposes. You know, because it could be in the event that somebody, maybe somebody got a signal 30 years ago, 40 years ago, and they said, you know what, let's declare these signals military range or military band, et cetera. All right. So let's, let, let's, let's extend this timeline out, though. And let's say that uh, we are into my grandson's first term as president right. of the United States. And okay. this is something that, that you know, we've, we've uh, worked on forever. What needs to happen before we feel comfortable making any kind of contact? Well, I, I tell uh, 
Leroy Brush Widow Doctor, Amtrucker the <laughs> Third. Genetics is a weird thing. Yeah, guys. Say, how did how did that happen? Holy smokes! I, I tell him. I love uh, you guys so much. We're gonna make a family. What is a question again? What needs to happen, technically or culturally, or I mean, like, because what needs to happen for what? For us to make contact. Well, to make contact, we could make contact tomorrow. We could aim a space telescope okay, there. Okay, so you're saying that there's no there's no point in foreseeable human history that we would ever feel safe making contact with this beacon. Oh, no, you asked me to make contact. You didn't say to feel safe. Y- yes. No, I'm sorry. I misspoke then. I mean, I mean... Yeah, oh, to feel safe, we're like, listen, you know, we need we need to have a, you know, we need to be space-faring. We need to have a certain level of technological prowess. We need to be able to know that we're not just trapped on the planet. We need to have certain levels of technology. We know they're going to probably be a million years more advanced than us. You know, we maybe need to, when we decide we're going to send that signal out, we maybe need to be sending little seed ships you know, it a terminal. Excuse me. It you know, subliminal velocities away from our planet into the far corners of the universe. Should we get wiped out, that humanity doesn't stop. Should we also be investing in our own hunt to see where this is coming from? I mean, yeah, I mean, it- yeah, we could we could try to figure out like how to build a probe to go look at it. But you know, we're, we understand that that information. All we may find is just a, a thing the size of a coffee can spinning around a star, which would be the most likely situation. If you, we were to try to reach out to some other race. It's a pretty interesting coffee can, though. Well, again, I mean, that would be the smart way to do it if you had that capability. That way that you don't let people know where you're calling from. Yeah. Because that's the other thing, too, is we go out there and we go see and we, we see like, no, there's no planet there. And, and we have the problem of, well, they're not letting us know where they're calling from. Doesn't that bother you? I mean, in all the ways that humanity could die, <laughs> you can do you worse. Know, actually, you know what? I'm kind of down for that because I've, I've always said, look, at some point, humanity is going to come to an end. Uh, would you rather be part of the generation that's there that, that gets it or not? Because it's like, right, when you say, some, do you, you know, wait, 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 back up. When you say humanity is going to come to an end, do you, do you mean that we are going to have no more descendants? Sure. Yes. At some point, humanity will not have any more descendants. If, if at no other reason than when we reach the heat death of the universe, at some point, all of humanity will end. Would you rather be? Well, that's a. That's not. I know that's not very positive of me, but it's a fact. Yeah, but he. You're you're like well, hundred billion years from now, yeah, we come to an end, and that well, that's different than you know, yeah, in the end of the century, we come to an end. There's a big. Huge. Most of I, history I didn't has say the world was going to come to an end this year or the next. I'm saying at some point, humanity will come to an end. And the question is, would you rather be in the middle during the upswing or be part of the last? Would, would you rather live to see how it ends? You know, like a freaking black hole just appears in the sky. You're like, son of a bitch. So that's how we go out. Well, would you rather- not if not if my scene, it brings it about sooner. Well, no, I mean, I'm just saying, okay, let's say, let's say before you're born. Yeah. Well, hold on. I think, I think, yeah, Brian, to answer your question, uh, I would rather be at the beginning if I had my choice. I would be as far from the end as possible. I want as many people to live and die between me and the end of humanity as, as possible. That's my personal, my personal philosophy on it. Now, my, my point was that if, if, you know, the choice is sun explodes, uh, you know, asteroid comes in and wipes out humanity 
uh, you know, and then any of the other horrific ways that we could possibly go out, heat death of the universe, getting, you know, eliminated or enslaved by a hostile alien race, not the worst. Well, that's just it. Because it's like, look, we all got to go out somehow. At least we'll know with our, I for one, welcome our new overlords. <laughs> that <laughs> that is like, why. I'm, I'm just saying it in the way that like, you know, if you're going to die, uh, you know, and, and, and you had no choice that it was going to happen at this kind of time, you'd rather do it in a. Well, but now, who, created, who said that, that? You're creating this weird scenario to say this is how that's not okay, the no, question. No, no, no. My, my point, my, my, I, mine was a throwaway line. I'm not saying right. I'm not advocating it. I'm just saying that on the grand list of deaths. Uh, at least this one would be novel. And right, as you put your finger over the nuclear button, you're like, well, you know, people kind of saw this coming, right? right. I and, mean, and no. So the question is... And that would be cooler than falling down the stairs. That's all I'm saying. Right. And plus, by the way, Andrew, uh, of all the things... Of all the things that I don't think you get to say to us is that we're creating absurd scenarios. <laughs> what I'm saying is that it's a, it's a, it's an evasion, uh, being evasive to the actual... The the actual question if it's, it's like oh do i want uh, aliens nuclear war or comet that's not the question the question is do you become the person that says yeah let's send a signal back that brings about the no. end of humanity the, the the answer president young says let's i, I want to work toward a, a situation in which we could feel safe doing it or we could understand more about what they're doing or we can understand more about their possible threat i, I want to move toward understanding that but also i think from what the, the the element of this scenario that's kind of gotten swept under the rug is that we have a two decade you know a, a two decade window to where the public might become aware and at that point it might be out of our control that people are just going to find a way to shoot a signal up there mm-hmm. all right brian uh, thoughts on that? you know what actually i i concur with the president yeah bitch Sorry, gentlemen, it's not the answer I wanted. And I reach into my briefcase, pull out <laughs> vampire fangs. <laughs> a copy of my new book, The Grendel Shadow. <laughs> you guys do realize you're standing in my living room, right? <laughs> you guys realize you're not the president. Me saying you're the yeah, president you know, doesn't actually make yeah, you the president. Yeah, yeah, that 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 that's that was my computer looking at not the TV. That was Bill Meeks. Yeah, you know, saying that you guys got elected in a weird election that just happened last night. <laughs> <laughs> I like my recorded political discussion the same way I like to testify in court. Drunk. That's why I go to BeardDiplomacyTV.com. Here's the deal: it's a podcast. It's recorded live every single week. They have a bunch of real smart people on. I've been on the show. All right, so that's a bad first example, but also Leo Laporte. Tom Merritt, Brian Brushwood, Baratunde Thurston. Come on. These are some funny people. They're real smart. They're a little liquored up. Getting a little loosey-goosey. Who knows what they're going to say next? That's why you got to watch live. Or you can just watch the old episodes on BeardDiplomacyTV.com or you can get on over to iTunes and subscribe to it. Stuart Tract is the host. Stupat, as I like to call him. It's, uh, it's a pretty fun show. I enjoy doing it and I'll be back on it. BeardDiplomacyTV.com Let's do some picks. Yeah. You guys get some picks? In the I sure play? do, actually. I just finished an audiobook, and I'm going well, to get the details. Well, aren't we the... There it goes. <laughs> I, I, Sorry, I almost ahead. read like a grown-up. Uh, yes, the book is I read is called Catching Fire, and I'm not talking about the goofy Hunger Games one. 
I'm talking about. I was gonna say that sounds like. Wait, wait. Can I say that sounds like the book that Bonnie would write about her marriage to you? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, although I probably will read that book next, Catching uh, Catching Fire. But uh, this one is about how cooking made us human. Most people regard that we Ooh. became, we evolved into humans from, you know, Homo erectus into Homo sapiens, and then. After, you know, like, hey, we're smart now. And, you know, you know, it sucks eating raw food. So why don't we cook it? And, oh, it tastes better now. That's That's been the traditional view. But this book makes a very compelling case that we know that uh, I believe Homo erectus had, had the ability to create fire. And uh, the, it makes the claim that Homo erectus, which essentially looked like upright hairy apes. I mean, they still very much look like look like chimpanzees. Uh, they have fire. Justin Robert Young's, yes. They were cooking, and it's the cooking that changed us into Homo sapiens. It's because we had cooked foods that we didn't need to spend. Apes spend forty-two percent of their day chewing, just getting through the 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 tough outer shells and chewing up this stuff. They did experiments with with rats, where you had the exact same group of of mice. I said rats, I meant mice. Uh, exact same type of mice split into two groups. They were given the exact same caloric intake of rice. Some of them were given puffed rice. The other were given just regular rice. So it wasn't even cooked. There was no, there was no extra air pressure added to, or I'm sorry, no, uh, no heat added that, that could give it more calories in there just by having the, uh, the, the rice be puffed with air in it and softer to eat. The other, the, the soft puffed rice rats were 30% heavier than the other ones. 30% more obese these these rats were. And so the claim is that uh, not only uh, the, the suggestion is of course that uh, that this is why we have smaller gut sizes than other animals. This is why our teeth are, teeth are shaped the way they are. It's also um uh, part of why we were able to um shed all our hair because it takes an enormous amount of energy to regulate your body temperature when you're overheated with all this hair on you. So that's why that's why we don't have any hair is because we're able to heat ourselves with fire, that kind of thing. And they, he, it also claims that that's the reason we have the division of labor is because hunting is a very risky activity and chimpanzees will never walk out in the woods to hunt on their own. They spend all day foraging. Now, if they happen to see an animal that they think they can get, they'll invest a couple of minutes going after it, but that's all they can afford because after that, they have to get back to foraging and chewing because it takes so long to chew. Whereas likewise with early man, if, if man went out and uh, let's say the women were at home gathering and the men went out to hunt, if a man came back empty handed, even if she had the exact same amount of food gathered, if it wasn't cooked, he didn't have enough time to chew it all before he went to bed. And he, and so this way, because it's cooked, he's able to get, uh, you know, a full, you know, hours and hours worth of chewing, uh, calories into his body and is able to make that division of labor work in favor of it. It's a fascinating book. It's about, it's by Richard Rangham called catching fire. How cooking made us human. Sounds fascinating. I, I am a, I'm a big believer in in that as one of the contributing factors to to what helped us. Um, and, and side note, I'm I, I'm just going to do a soft push again for the Rational Optimist by Matt Ridley, who kind of takes a bit of that, you know, and, and extends even further on about you know what what helped because you had you know Neanderthals had fire too, and you had other species that Neanderthals had fire. They maybe I'm trying to figure out who else at that point, you know, 20, even, even up to 25,000 years ago, you know, there are other competing species there, but something else helped just push us forward and not them. 
But I'm, I'm I think you're absolutely right that fire was a big line between us and the apes. Um, Justin, you want me to go or do you want to go? Uh, I'll go real quick because I don't have a very good one, but I do have one that's slightly off topic that I will say getting into something that was very weird that showed up on the website. Uh, number one, I don't know if you guys heard, but uh, Osama bin Laden got uh, shot and killed. Um, no. And uh, there's a lot of people. Yes. Oddly enough, that happened. Um, but I know, I mean, there, there's a lot of, you know, now all of a sudden he's kind of after a you know, uh, a decade of on and off kind of conversation about him and, and certainly a national fascination. Uh, you know, the, the specter of Al Qaeda is kind of thrown right back into, uh, you know, the center stage in terms of what everybody's talking about. And also, you know, what comes next for a organization like that and how it was put together. And if you are curious and you want to learn more, I highly recommend, um, the book, his last name is Lawrence, but uh, the, the book is called The Looming Tower. It is the definitive book for me uh, on the formation of Al-Qaeda, and, and it is a, a stirring, extremely well-told nonfiction book with a heartbreaking narrative uh, leading up to uh, what we all know. I'm uh, uh, I'm, I started it today. Now that I finished Catching Fire, I started The Looming Tower, and I'm really enjoying it. And, and it is told as a story, these characters of how everything came to be. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and yeah, I mean, you're right. Like right now, the beginning uh, details uh, Saeed Kutub as, you know, the, the origins of radical Islam. Like, it goes back to you know, kind of uh, where where this even idea came from, and you kind of see where, I mean, he was an American college student at one point, so... Uh, spoiler alert, Brian. I don't know if you got that. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, I'm already past um, all that. I'm on to uh, Al-Zawahari. Zawahari. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah, a lot of that stuff. So now, I mean, if you hear people talk about, you know, the, the Egyptian doctor, Al-Zawahari, and, and what he means as the number two of Al-Qaeda, and specifically what happens now that bin Laden's dead, this gives you a lot of information on where they came from, what the initial ideas uh, of Al-Qaeda were, and the fact that Al-Qaeda was pretty much regarded as the F-troop of uh, radical Islam for a long time before uh, you know, uh, after bin Laden, but also, you know, in, in the direction that they wind up going. So I highly recommend that. And I also recommend it because part of that book and Lawrence's fantastic reporting is he debunks the myth that, uh, Osama bin Laden was like six foot seven. Uh, and he basically says that he was probably much shorter than that. If you look at, uh, you know, from, from eyewitnesses and it was kind of a, uh, a, a, a purposely fed, um, uh, a, a dramatization and, and kind of this this uh, fictionalization of his legacy as he as he became uh, larger than life, and especially in a culture that relies you know so much on on you know word of mouth stuff uh, you know compared to you know uh, in in the West where things are are a little bit you know with with the advent of the internet you can you know pass a picture along a lot faster. Um, so uh, we had an awesome story that was uh, we we uh, reblogged from Cryptomundo uh, today or sorry yesterday. That basically says that if you look at the best available evidence, Osama bin Laden was about the same height as Bigfoot. <laughs> and and the real takeaway is that they are both probably shorter than we think. <laughs> Which it's one of those stories that makes me delighted to run weirdthings.com. And I highly recommend that uh you read not only that post in Lauren Coleman's work on Cryptomundo, but also Mr. Lawrence's The Looming Tower. Pick it up. Well, well, I, I I like the fact that we had a couple of highbrow picks. I'm going to take it a little bit low. Yes. Uh, 
And uh, Professor w- Boogerstein, Snotty Adventure. <laughs> That's right. I watched, uh, started watching the movie last night. I hadn't watched it in a while, but it's a movie I love. We all love. And uh, I, I don't know if it was a pick before, but I'm going to pick it because it's on Watch Instantly on Netflix right now. And you ever watch something and then you have a lot of life experience and you see it again and you kind of look at it from different eyes? Yes. And I'm the, and the, the, very the two, curious what you're what, heading towards here. Well, like the two characters, the two lead characters, when I first saw this movie, I'm like, oh, what a couple of, you know, they're, they're fun, kind of goofy kind of guys. And then I watch this again. I'm like, man, it's me and Justin. It's totally, it's totally what we are. Wow. Bill and Ted's yeah. excellent adventure. Uh, Brokeback uh, Mountain. You guys are, wait a second there. <laughs> what did you just, what did you say, Justin? Nothing. He said Batman <laughs> Begins. Um, <laughs> Brian, Brian's kind of close to it. Um, you know, a couple of, uh, couple of guys always scheming, always trying to plan to get the next thing out, always trying to get one step ahead, but never quite making it clear. Just when I think they've got a break, the Blues Graboids, Brothers. Co- Graboids come into town and start wreaking havoc. I'm talking about Tremors. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyhow, if you guys, like, there's some of our younger listeners have never watched the movie Tremors. It is a fun Fun Tremors science rules. fiction flick. Yeah, Tremors is awesome. It's the the premise is is there are these uh, creatures running underground in this desert town, and the townspeople have to deal with it. It's it's told tongue in cheek. The characters are fun. The acting's great. It is a very very enjoyable movie, and I highly recommend it. And I, I very much felt like I was watching myself as Fred Ward and Justin as Kevin Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> and Kevin Bacon. And, and and Brian was uh you know uh. Uh, Alec Gross, the uh, you know the crazy the guy from Family Guys who was the crazy uh, gun nut. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> yeah. Brian and Bonnie as, as the gun that's nut a, couple. That's right. Uh, uh, that movie Tremors is uh, 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 it was a very influential movie for me as as a kid. Uh, I remember the movie uh, or the, the the VHS rental place that me and my mom used to always go to had a gigantic Tremors poster which I'm sure they got for free when the movie came out. Uh, but I was always just fascinated by, you know, the poster. And then we finally watched the movie and, and I absolutely loved it. I have not seen it since I was a kid, but now knowing it's on watch instantly, I am going to watch it tonight. There You'll is watch no it instantly. It. Yes. And uh, tell me if you come away at the same assessment. I just sort of felt like, man, there's sort of a parody there. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. And, and it, it's one of those things where, it is, uh, and if I, if I remember correctly, I mean, the, the, the poster was kind of deliberately Jaws. Yes. Uh, Jaws-like. Yes. And I think the movie bears a lot of, from what I remember and what I'm piecing together from, you know, because I saw it actually long before I saw Jaws, um, you know, it, it has it, it has its own kind of resemblance to it. Uh, and, and the physical effects, I remember being... Cool. I don't know how much they hold up. Yeah, they did a pretty good. You know, they did the pretty good job of you know not showing you until they needed to. And they, there was the sequels. I even think they did a TV series or something. But oh, that's right. You know, sequel. But yeah, yeah, the sequels got kind of progressively grew. You know, silly. Some of them had sort of some kind of clever things to it. But the original one was just so much fun. So that's my pick. Dry bars. So we've talked about uh, unicorns, vampires, special forces, alien. Stuff. Kind of a usual conversation here on Weird Things Podcast. Gentlemen, it's been pretty weird. Thank you very much. Would you like a listener shout-out or maybe sponsor the podcast? Email weirdthingsmail 
at gmail.com. The same address where you can make a suggestion or write your own scenario. Weird Things Mail at gmail.com.